to a night of total terror. Welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode number 11, Day of the Dead. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly podcast focusing in on sci-fi and horror, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. And like I said, right at the start, we're going to be looking at George A. Romero's classic, Day of the Dead. I'm very excited to be doing this one. So before I dive into any of those wonderful, gory, dialistic details, ladies and gentlemen, let's enjoy the trailer. First... He created the most frightening film ever made. Then, he took his unique vision of terror one step further. Now, George A. Romero takes us out of the night, beyond the dawn, and into the darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Day of the Dead. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead, the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. <laughs> you know us here at the Undead Wookiee, you know how much we love a good trailer, and I gotta be honest, I absolutely adore this one. Now, this um, episode, uh, our, my co-host Liam was due to be back on, but unfortunately he's had to go and work. I think it's incredibly selfish of him, but he thinks that he needs to go out and earn money and pay the bills. So once again, unfortunately guys, you're stuck with me. But let's dive in and start having a look at this classic. So what we are looking at today is Day of the Dead from 1985, of course directed by George A. Romero written by George A. Romero, produced by David Ball. No Dario Argento on this one, unfortunately. Of course, the legend that is Tom Savini is back on this one. Um, the cinematography is by Michael Gornick. Uh, music is by John Harrison. Uh, it runs for an hour and 36 minutes, um, slightly less than uh, Dawn of the Dead's epic time. And on IMDb, now this amazed me that it only has uh, a score of 7.2, which um, I think is a bit uh, somewhat odd, really, given sort of, you know, that there's a lot of love out there for this film. Um, but yeah, um, let's have a look at the cast then, shall we? So let's see if I can actually pronounce the names any better than I did last time. So <laughs> um, here we go. This film stars Laurie Cardelli. Um, as Sarah, you've got Terry Alexander as John, you have got Joseph Pilato as Rhodes, you've got Jarleth Conroy as McDermott, you've got Anthony Dilio Jr. as Miguel, you've got Richard Liberty as Logan, you have 
Sherman Howard as Bub, Gary Howard Pla as Steel, you have Ralph Marrero as Rickles, and of course you have Mr. Walking Dead himself in a very, very, very early role. Actually, I think it might be his screen debut is Greg Nicaretero as Johnson. So, what's this one all about then? Well, once again, Romero gives us a very simple, basic story. Uh, we have a small group of scientists and military personnel, and they are hunkered down in what seems to be um, an old mine uh, shaft that has been used to store all manner of things, from uh, speedboats to um, um, like camper vans and um, all sorts of different records. Um, but unfortunately, now the zombie apocalypse has clearly become a worldwide epidemic, and humankind seems to be on the ropes and it looks like our days are numbered but the relationship between the scientists and the military personnel is beginning to crumble and with their numbers dwindling and dr logan's grasp on reality slipping can they keep it together or will they turn on each other so day of the dead i think out of all the films and i'll talk about this a little bit more is possibly one of the more divisive out of the original trilogy. There are lots and lots of people who have lots and lots of love for Night of the Living Dead. For me, Night is my all-time favourite, one of my all-time favourite films. You've then got Dawn, which is an excellent film, but again, as we spoke about last week, it does have some flaws. And then you have Day of the Dead. Now, Day of the Dead um, is, out of the three, the most divisive, as I said. So, you know, We've got, this is the third part in the original trilogy. Um, and when you compare it to Night and Dawn, um, I think this is definitely the darkest of the three. Um, and like I said, I think it's the most divisive. I think there are lots of people who have um, a lot of love for this film, but there are some who um, not so much, not so fast on it. But I do think um, that it doesn't get the love that it should get. There are... Um, there are some people who really can't take to this film. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I think it has a number of flaws, and we'll go into that later on. But um, I do like it as a film. I think it's a great film. Um, so what what works on this one? Okay, for me, the biggest improvement out of, for this film anyway, and particularly given all of the other films, is Tom Savini, uh, Tom Savini is back. His makeup and his FX work here is absolutely superb. His zombies look like zombies. Um, you know, you can clearly see that he's taken on board his criticism and he's really upped his game. So what we get, we get now, we get proper zombies. Um, and I think in some cases, um, some of the FX work um, is up there that could rival Fulci's zombies. I'm a big Fulci fan, so, um, and I'm also a big Savini fan. But for me, I think sometimes Savini's zombies have been a little bit lacking. But I think here, he gets it right. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we, he's moved it on from the um, shambling, bloody uh, Smurfs of Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, he goes all out. And what we get are zombies that look, you know, rotted and decayed. And I was listening to an interview with him uh, recent, recently, that's Tom Savini, and one of the things he spoke about was how he thought about where the zombies had died. 
and uh, a corpse who had died and then sort of reanimated in somebody's basement. And you've got to forgive me now because I am paraphrasing. Um, would look a lot different to a corpse that had died, um, say, out on the street. Um, and during day, we get some great, great zombie kills. Um, for example, we get uh, Captain Rhodes's death, um, and we get a classic line from Rhodes as he's being eaten. Um, and I tell you what, let's have a little listen to that right now. That's such a great line. Choke on them. Um, <laughs> it's superb. I love that scene. It's brilliant for a number of reasons. I love that scene. Um, um, oh, by the way, we are going to be going into spoilers on this one. So it was released in 1985. So like I always say, if you haven't seen it, pause it right now, go watch it, and then come straight back. <laughs> because it is a great kill. Um, my other personal favourite is the death of Private Rickles. Um, where he quite literally is pulled apart um, in fantastic, fantastic fashion. I absolutely love it. I think it's a great death. It is a really, really, really good death. I also think that in this one we get um, 
we get some really really good imagery and i think the opening scene with sarah where she sat <clears throat> excuse me a good bit of a chest infection this week so if i'm a little bit coffee and a little bit splattering you're gonna have to forgive me okay um where we get sarah and she sat in a sterile uh, room you know she's got the breeze blocks around her and you can see that she sat there and she's staring at the far end of the room and she's you know focusing in on the breeze blocks um, and focusing in on the calendar and the jump scare that we get at this in this scene it still gets me uh, <laughs> it gets me every single time i love it i think it's a fantastic fantastic scene um you know and she's um, she sat there and you could see her really really focusing in and you know as she gets closer to it you know and then you get the hands that burst through the wall and grab her now i watched this film um in preparation for the show probably about three or four right three or four times to get ready for this and quite simply it's um that scene it still stays with me um it did, and, and to be honest with you i did have a bit of a nightmare about those hands coming through the wall and grabbing um so it's quite a, it's a very powerful scene and what i think it does it obviously gives us a bit of an echo from the opening from dawn where you get um both characters you know are you know seemingly focusing in on something and then they're grabbed you know they're, they're grabbed and they wake up and then they realize it's a dream um i think that's a really great way to start this you know and uh what we get here is Sarah waking up and she's in the helicopter that's flying over the deserted city. Um, which then brings us to the next great shot in this. And I think this is where Tom Savini's really, really throwing down the marker and saying, you know, this is how our zombies are going to look in and in this film. You know, where you get the zombie who shuffles up and he's all decayed. And part of his face is missing and the tongue is still sticking out. Um, and the blood is dripping you know i've said before um not on this show but to a number of friends of mine whatever we talk about this thing is that i um i think that day of the dead is romero with his nihilism turned up to 11 um i think romero is a better filmmaker when he's pissed off um and maybe that's why some of his sort of some of his latest efforts have been a little bit lacking or maybe have fallen short somewhat um but yeah that's just me that's just me um but here he romero is right off the bat he is giving us a darker a more visceral and dare i say um somewhat more sadistic film i do think it is a bit you know there is that element um to this film you know now the other thing that for me is one of the film's greatest strengths is romero introduces us to bub and in doing this whether or not it's intentional or it's not um what romero does he gives us a brand new paradigm in the zombie genre he gives us the zombie as a protagonist you know the you know also he gives us the scene where and I, I i love this scene um is where the two zombies have been captured they've been brought in from the mine and they've been taken to logan's lab and you can sort of um 
you can almost sense that they're afraid. Um, that they, you know, the, particularly the female zombie, she turns to the to the to the, to the male zombie that's with her. You can see that, you know, she's she's somewhat afraid. Um, you know, so what we get in here is Romero has given us um, zombies who are sentient zombies. They're no longer the mindless consuming um, creatures from dawn or the mindless ghouls of night. What we're getting here is sentient beings who are developing, who are retaining part of who they were. Um, and sort of, you can see that his zombies are now evolving to that next stage. You know, and Romero would continue this in Land of the Dead. Um, however, here he explores the idea um, brilliantly and he does it so much better. Um, and I think the major strength of this film needs to go to uh it really really needs to go to uh sherman howard or howard sherman <laughs> i'm having an absolute nightmare with names at the minute i don't know what's going on with me uh, but howard sherman as bub um he his performance is for me it is right up there with Karloff's monster um he really brings that sort of that Frankenstein element to the film. Um, he's able to give Bub a, you know, I suppose a soul. I suppose that's the best way to look at it. When you look at the scene where he is using the razor, where he um, is picking up items that he remembers. Um, scene where he's you know he salutes Rhodes when he walks into the room these are I think it's a fantastic scene and Howard Sherman handles this so so well he uh, he does he really gives Bub a soul and that great scene where he's got the headphones on and um, you know Logan presses the button and the classical music starts playing um and he, you know his eyes open wide you know you can underneath all those prosthetics and whatever you can see that howard sherman is given a very layered very cultured very very you know he's given an excellent performance underneath all of those things um you know it is a master class in economy of movement um i mean when you look at the way in which he moves um you know he's never sort of giving it the stiff-legged uh, arms outstretched job he's you know he's bub is a real character within this film um and i think people praise doug jones and rightly so because i think he's a fantastic actor um for his performances uh, you know and he is the go-to guy for you know if you want to bring your creature to life um but i think howard sherman's performance in this is right up here now a great point, point uh, that, that was brought up by uh, Kyle Bishop. Um, now, some of you might have heard of Kyle Bishop before. I've talked about him on the show. But Kyle Bishop is uh, known as Dr. Walking Dead on the Horror Movie Podcast. Um, and he has an excellent book called American Zombie Gothic. And it's a must-have if you're a zombie fan. And he makes this point, and I 100% agree with him on this, but I am going to paraphrase him on this, is that... 
the point he makes is this, you know, Dr. Logan, um, he's, he's not trying to cure the zombies. Um, he's not trying to find a way to destroy them. He is actually looking for a way that we can train them, that we can control them, um, so that we can make them uh, almost like a subservient workforce, if you want. And this is something that really, really harkens back to the zombie movies of the 30s and the 40s. And if we think about films like White Zombie, for example, you know, this is this idea that the zombie is being enslaved, which goes back to um, the traditional voodoo elements of zombies and that loss of soul. Um, so what we get, and I think this is really clever, and I used the word paradigm earlier, is that with the idea of seeing things from the zombie's point of view, with seeing sentient zombies, with seeing Bub um, as the uh, you know as this as our protagonist in some ways, and as seeing the humans as fairly unlikable characters in this, um, we're sort of taking the genre forward, but at the same time with this element of um, the subservient workforce creation of the zombies um we're really going back and looking at the roots um of the, the zombie genre and if we didn't get this film if we didn't get uh, day of the dead we certainly wouldn't have films like fido um we certainly wouldn't get the film warm bodies um so we're able to link Day of the Dead, you know, in with the, you know, like I said already, so the 1932 classic White Zombie, but we're also able to sort of link it with how we kind of view modern zombies now. Um, and for me, that's, 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 um, that's a key strength of this film. Now, is, does this film have um, weaknesses? It certainly does. I think out of the original three um, Dead Trilogy, out of the original three, I think this is the film that has some of the biggest glaring weaknesses. Um, and I think right off the bat, one of the biggest weaknesses is the script. Now, the script for Day of the Dead uh, was described by Tom Savini on the extras of uh, the Day of the Dead. The Arrow DVD, actually, I don't have, I do have it on Blu-ray, um, but I do have, but I love the Arrow DVD version of it. I think it's probably one of the best, best out there. And on one of the extras in there, Tom Savini describes uh, Day of the Dead as the God gone with the wind, but with zombies. Uh, this was going to be a big, epic film. However, due to a budget cut, the film had to be, you know, the story was cut back from, I think it was a 200-page script to an 82-page shoot-in script, which is what they went with. Now, Romero was initially offered $7 million to make the film. But what he had to do was he had to make it an R-rated film. Or, if he wanted to, he could, make the, he could release the film unrated, which is what he did with Dawn. Um, and then they would give him half the budget. 
Now, Romero went with the unrated option and, the, of course, then the less money, which meant his original idea was no longer viable because in the original story, um, there was supposed to be um, a surface level um, camp and there's going to be all sorts of things that were going on there. And I think you would sort of, you know, you can see elements of that coming back in um, Land of the Dead. Um, but of course, when he, you know, took less money, he was not really able to um, um, sort of obviously build the, ups the, the, the camp that was going to be upstairs, upstairs, <laughs> the above level uh, camp. And that, 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 again, I think had a massive impact on the story. And the fact that he took half the money meant that he really was sort of almost compromising his own vision in some ways um, in order to get an unrated release, which meant that there would be a little bit less, you know, there would be more gore, but we don't get, we get less story. And I think the other thing that really, really suffers um, in this film. Now, Romero's films have never been great on dialogue. Even Dawn of the Dead has some absolutely stinker of lines in it. It has some absolute howlers. But here, um, some of the dialogue is just awful. And I think also some of the performances, um, they go beyond hammy. They're just, just plain bad. Um, and I hate to single out actors because I think every, no, nobody ever goes out to, you know, give it a, a bad performance. But I think sometimes the blame for actors' performances really lays with the director. And I think it is the director's job to, um, to, to pull in his cast on occasion. Um, and for example, Ralph Marrero as Rickles is just dire um, to the point of being almost unwatchable yes he gets the best death um but his performance is so over the top it is it, it's ridiculous it is ridiculous um the other problem is and i've mentioned this earlier is nearly all of the characters are somewhat unlikable um not everybody you know sarah is very cold she's sort of fairly unfeeling um you've got uh, you know you've got terry alexander's character who's the pilot um you've got the character of mcdermott who's the radio operator and essentially they're just there to do their bit um and they don't really care yes they come around towards the end but by, by that point you do kind of think oh well actually i don't know how i feel about you guys now because you're not you know you're quite happy to walk off and let people just get eaten and so as long, as long as you are happy in your own little bubble you're not really interested um you know we sort of the other scene for me that um is is not the best uh, and it kind of typifies typifies the point that i'm trying to make is the scene where captain rhodes has called a meeting and in the course of this four to five minute meeting um in this scene, he is threatened to rape and shoot Sarah um, <laughs> and just spends a lot of time shouting. And look, I really like Joseph Pilato's uh, uh, performance in this. I think it is a I think it's a great hammy 
performance, and he's one of the one of the great screen villains within the zombie genre. Um, but that scene is the equivalent of Brick from Anchorman just doing his loud noises, um, because that's essentially what it is. He just shouts the entire time. He shouts and swears, and it's a fairly one-note performance. Um, and again, there's some pacing issues with the film. I think the middle, again, the middle part of the film really, really sags. Um, and it does pick up for the end. It does really, really pick up, and we get a great final showdown. We get some awesome deaths. We get some really, like I said, you've got um, death of Captain Rhodes. You've got the death of Rickles. Um, you've got Steel, who gets what's coming to him. And I think the bit in the mine where uh, the characters, our three leads, are running around the mine, um, I think that's a great scene. I think there's a lot of tension that can be had in that scene. Um, but because of the pacing in it, it kind of feels a little bit, um, a little bit too late, if that makes sense. Um, I also want to mention um, Anthony Delio Jr. as Miguel. Um, and I think his death, his, you know, because he, you know, again, spoilers, so I do apologise, is get bitten. And this, again, is another thing that uh, we kind of see for the first time is this idea of if you can get to somebody quick enough and sort of chop off the limb that's been bitten by the zombie, um, you might be able to stop the infection. Um, but here you've, um, you've got the character of Miguel who knows um, that he's, his time is up um, and that he's going to sacrifice himself. And uh, he gets, you get this scene where he's lying on the, um, on the, like, the dock doors that sort of rises up out of the mine. Um, and then he sort of you know, just basically lies there to be eaten. It's a, it's a fantastic scene. Um, a really, really gory, visceral scene, but it's very emotional, um, and you do feel for this character who has pretty much uh, suffered with PTSD throughout the film. Um, so, what do I think of this film? What do I think about this film? Because obviously, I don't want to rabbit on for too long because you guys will get sick of me. And we've got another segment that I want to get into as well. I do love it. I do love this film, um, despite its big flaws. Um, I think it's got great gore. Um, I think that despite um, the issues with the dialogue, I think it's got a great plot. Um, I love the fact that it manages to sort of give us new tropes and moves the genre forward. So, like I said, you've got the, the you know they've got the character of Bub, who you know we get to see things from the zombies' point of view. Um, we get to see uh, this idea of chopping off somebody's arm or leg, which would now become a staple within the genre, uh, within the zombie genre. Um, you know, and I do really, I really enjoy watching this film. I really, really enjoy watching this film. So, what am I going to score it? <sighs> this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to score Day of the Dead as an eight point five. I think it is a must own. For any zombie fans, it's a must-own. And I think it's a must-own for any horror fans, because I think that without Night, 
without dawn and without day, the zombie genre wouldn't have moved on. And they're key, key parts in horror history. But like I said, my score for Romero's Day of the Dead is an 8.5 and it's a must own. Okay, so this is going to be a new segment on the show and I'm going to try to get it in every single time. Um, but this episode is going to call, I'm going to call What the Wookiee Watched This Week. That's right. Try and say that 10 times fast. And it's basically, um, if there's things that I've sort of, I've seen this week um, or read or, you know, those type of thing, uh, things that really stand out, I'm going to sort of give a quick mini review, I suppose, about them. And first up this week is The Resort from 2015. Um, it stars Dougree Scott and Jessica Degau. And the plot for this one is essentially uh, Jurassic Park, but with zombies instead of dinosaurs. Um, the film's plot is following a worldwide outbreak. Mankind has won the war against the undead. And now a ruthless corporation has set up an island resort where you can uh, soak up the sun and you can have cocktails. And of course, you can go around and you can shoot zombies. Now, <laughs> this is a incredibly um, silly film, which um, has been, it is, I think it's streaming on Amazon and on Netflix. And. What do you get? Well, in a nutshell, like I said, the resort, which is spelled R-E-Z-O-R-T. Get it? Yeah, get it? Z-O-R-T. Um, is very, very much a B-movie. Um, it's got a slightly better budget than some of the zombie fare that we see now. It's got a, it's got a pretty good cast. Uh, of course, we got the you know, Dougie Scott was in um, Fear the Walking Dead recently, and of course Jessica Degau is in the Arrow TV series, um, and they turn in competent performances. Um, the action scenes are fairly much by the numbers. Um, you get a couple of cool moments. You get uh, the gore factor is a little bit low, uh, but the zombie uh, makeup is good. Um, and overall, I enjoyed this one. Um, so if you've got a bit of time to kill and you were looking for something just to throw on, I'd give it, say, I'm going to give it about a 6 out of 10, and I would say it's well worth a stream. Now, up next is 31, directed by, of course, Rob Zombie, written by Rob Zombie, and it stars Sherry Moon Zombie, for a change, uh, Richard Drake, Malcolm McDowell and Meg Evelyn Foster. Um, so what is this one about? Well, quite simply, it is about a group of circus performers who are kidnapped and are forced to take part in the violent game of 31, which consists of them being hunted by individuals with names like Doomhead, Sexhead, and you're kind of getting the drift here. There's a lot of head in the name of these uh, uh characters you know so we get lots of other subtle names with ending in head um all of this is being done for the amusement of three individuals um so will the group survive 
Will the sheer level of Sherry Moon zombies acting save the day? The answer is... No. Uh, 31 has multiple faults with it. It is, um, you know, from its awful, awful acting. Uh, with the exception of Richard Brake as Doomhead. Now, he's absolutely fantastic as Doomhead. His opening monologue is superb. A um, little bit of trivia for you. Um, Richard Brake is actually Welsh. Um, he was born in Astrid in Hengoid and moved to America when he was much, much younger. So we're claiming him. Um the film is is terribly written. Um, the direction is awful. Um, the shaky cam in it is just ridiculous. You can't actually see any of the action that's going on. Um, you can't see anything. Uh, anytime there is any kind of um, sort of uh, combative elements to it, so like you know, they're the moment where you're two two of the characters, you know, uh, two of the sort of villains with chainsaws. That scene is just a nightmare because you can't really tell what's going on because the camera's bouncing around so much. Um, I would score this um, a 5 out of 10, and that's simply because um, that's down to Richard Brake um, and his chilling performance. Otherwise, I would say this is a complete avoid. Um, and this really pains me to do this because actually um, I'm somewhat of a Rob Zombie apologist. Um, I really like him. I like his music, as you can tell from the start of the show. I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I think Devil's Rejects is a superb film. Um, I also quite like Salem's, um, The Lords of Salem's. I nearly said Salem's lot there. Um, but 31 is dire. So avoid that one. So we're coming to the end of the show now. Um, I've kept this one fairly short because obviously you've had me just rabbiting on at you now for two shows on my home on my own so fingers crossed uh liam uh or one of my other co-hosts will be back next episode just to give you a bit of a break um from my voice um but before we go obviously i want to give a couple of shout outs to um people who listen and support the show um as always i am completely and utterly humbled um by the response that you guys have given me on Twitter. Um, the fact that <clears throat> you can now follow us on Facebook at the Undead Wookie. Um, that the page seems to be um, picking up uh, views and likes a lot of the time. Of course, you can come, you can go straight there and you can get links to the YouTube channel. Um, you can see uh, additional trailers that we put up there. So please feel free to um, make sure that you um, come and listen to the show. Uh, support the show, subscribe. Um, and as always, I want to give a big shout out to um, the Horror Movie Podcast crew. So that's Jay of the Dead, um, Dr. Shock, uh, Josh Ligari. Sorry, guys, I'm trying not to cough here because <laughs> I am really struggling here. Uh, if, you list, if you're looking for a podcast to go and listen to, Get yourselves over to the Horror Movie Podcast. It is a superb show. Um, listening to the uh, Horror Movie Podcast Awards, their own alternatives to the Oscars, absolutely fantastic. Um, I also want to say a big uh, 
thank you to um, Jamie Bernadette. Now, some of you may know Jamie Bernadette as the actress. She is in the film uh, I Spit on Your Grave, uh, Deja Vu. Um, she's in a new film that's going to be released very shortly called All Girls Weekend. Um, I think she was also in the Exorcist series, which is well worth a look. Um, and I must say, she has tweaked and liked and retweeted lots of the posts that we've put up, sort of bigging up the show and talking about some of the different elements in the show. Um, so, guys, get yourselves over to her Twitter account, follow her. Um, so a big thank you to Jamie Bernadette. Um, I also want a big shout out to my man, Blake at Spivey Point. Guys, you've got to follow him on Twitter. He's a, font- a fountain of knowledge. Uh, he always posts interesting facts. Um Guys, get yourselves over there. Uh, of course, my man CJ over at uh, VHS Revival. Absolutely superb blog. Um, brilliant, brilliant article uh, or blog that he's written about uh, Carlito's Way this week. Get yourselves over there and have a look at that. Of course, I need a, sh- uh, a big shout out to my goth gals, CL Raven, who are currently at Cardiff uh, Comic Con. Um, so you can follow them at Twitter. You can follow them over on. Um, you can find them at their blog for uh, at Ravens Retreat. Okay, again, they're well worth following. Always entertaining. And make sure that you buy their books. Soul Asylum, as I said, I've read. I've got another one on order now. Soul Asylum is a great read. It's a great gothic horror. Absolutely love it. Um, another podcast that you might be interested in is Cadavercast. That is a father and son team. It's brilliant. Um, Five-year-old Alistair is just so insightful. He is superb on there. Honestly, guys, they talk about horror films. It's absolutely brilliant. I can't big it up enough. Get yourselves over there and um, listen out for that. Um, Now, one of the big shout-outs that I've got to give out to is to a gentleman by the name of Mr. Christopher Edwards. Now, you may have noticed at the start of the show, we've got some snazzy new little little intro and little video cues and those type of things, and also the undead Wookiee um, sort of uh, banner, if you want. Um, Now, Chris designed all of those things, and he's come up with these fantastic new... uh, little intros and outros for the show, these little video clips, and I need to say a massive thank you to him, because obviously if it wasn't for him, uh, the show wouldn't be looking as uh, as slick as it does. Now you can find Chris at um, on Twitter at Chrissy86. Um, you can also find him at Chris.net. Um, you can also check out some of his work at Full Stack Ruby on Rails, and that's a web sign uh, and development. He also teaches uh, computing at the atrium in uh, the University Atrium, uh, University of South Wales in the atrium uh, in Cardiff. So, Chris, thank you very much, sir. By the way, Chris, I also love uh, your Richard III poster at the moment. It's fantastic. And that, ladies and gentlemen, before my voice completely gives out, um, is about that. So it's all that's left for me to say is, in the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night out there, whatever you are. (laughs) 